You're listening to Give Me The Fear, the Britflix podcast, Frightfest 2023 preview series. My name is Stuart Wright, and usually I host this show. But for this genre talent-filled build-up to the Woodstock of Gore, I'm keeping stumped. When this intro is done, this is the last you're going to hear from me until I ask you to tell your friends all about it. The spoiler-free interviews are brief, and across the entire series, you will discover the kind of knowledge and experience about how to make horror films that they just don't teach you at film school. Are you ready for that? After looking back at the blood, sweat and tears that went into their creative successes, I asked them one last question. If you could handpick one person to be in the audience, alive or dead, famous or personal to you, for your Frightfest screening, who would it be and why? I think you're going to love the answers this question elicits. I certainly do. That's my introduction over with. Let's hear from the talent. Hi, I'm Anthony Waller. I wrote, directed, co-produced, composed and acted in my latest production called The Piper. Piper is a supernatural thriller, romance and uh, action horror adventure. It's about the spirit of the Pied Piper of Hamlin uh, from folklore who punishes parents for their discretions by hypnotizing their children into committing suicide. So the uh, the idea is that it's a greater punishment to have your children taken away than to be punished yourself. What was uh, exciting about this project is just when everybody else thought it wasn't possible to shoot a movie, um, we were able to uh, shoot uh, during COVID and Latvia was the main shooting uh, location, he, he, despite the fact that most of the story is set in Hamlin in Germany. Uh, Latvia was one of the last countries to be affected by um, COVID. So we, we managed to get everything in the can before that uh, broke out in earnest there. And uh, we were we were pretty lucky. So it was, it was particularly good to be working when everybody seemed to be locked, locked down in the rest of the world. The case is only uh, very late uh, uh, came to the country. It was, it was actually pretty much COVID free. I mean, we did have to go through COVID protocols and wear masks and, uh, and be tested all the time, but it was, it didn't break out in earnest until, till much later. I like the fact that I got to see a lot of different places in Latvia and that we were uh, working in old and new locations and uh, horse riding and uh, fond memories of us, uh, especially the excitement of finding out that my lead characters could ride horses also bareback and um, the, the whole training for that. And uh, that that was particularly, uh, particularly fun. It is a hybrid of past and present. And I was trying to get concepts that uh, mix concepts from the original story 
uh, where the Piper was more of a revenge story that he was um, um, getting people back for not being paid. And so uh, he led the rats away and drowned them. And when he wasn't paid, he led the children away and drowned them, which sounds very vindictive. And the idea that the spirit of the Piper would live on and be vindictive uh, as well in, in the present um, uh, was a fascinating one in terms of the psychology of uh, a, a parent who um, has had a misdemeanor and, and tries to hide it away. And um, and I imagine that what was um, uh, evil or bad back then, it was more pure puritanical um, and uh, some things would not be uh, punished so harshly uh, uh, these days, but it's more, it's the guilt which triggers the um, reactions of the characters and breaks down the trust between uh, um, the parent and the the offspring because it's the story can be applied to um, other parent-child relationships. Uh, so it, is, it could potentially be a franchise or a TV series. Uh, the idea that, um, that the child has to pay the price for their parent, uh, the parent's misdemeanors. Oh, it's pretty much what I was uh, expecting it to turn out, except I always find that the first edit of a movie that I make is always far, far longer. And, um, but it's always better to assemble everything in its full length and then cut it down. It's better that way. I'd rather have more and uh, trim away than, than too little and have to try and stretch things. So, um, um, so it allowed me to shape, uh, the, the, the story uh, better because, um, some, scenes have fallen by the wayside, not because they weren't good in themselves, but in the overall balance, um, the overall balance has to be right. I guess it's like having some clay and and carving a sculpture out of the clay. It's what you take away is also as important as what's there. Who would I choose to have in the fest, the Fright Fest screening? Um, I guess my my mum, because she passed away before movie was finished and she's always been a big supporter of my work and and she's um and never got to see the the film finished so that that would be the personal one i'd I'd love to to be able to be there with me in the uh in the premiere to see it and um the other one would be if the Pied Piper ever existed as a real person, it would be interesting to have him in the theater and what he would think of what, how he is being uh, projected 730 years in the future. Because in the past, um, uh, the idea of harsh punishment was um, more uh, preventative to defer people from misbehaving the, the, through fear. So it was an iron hand through fear. People were scared. And um, the idea that, if one person digresses, then the entire village gets punished. Um, everybody, nobody dares digress because it's it's also everybody else uh, is is in the firing line. Hi, I'm Costa. I am the director of the movie, um, and this is Liz. I'm Elizabeth, and I'm the producer of the movie. Uh, 
from the UK side of things, and also the co-creator of the movie with Costas. So in Minore, we have a typical summer night in Greece. It's hot, it's steamy. A sailor on leave shows up. He arrives at the port to search for his long-lost father. After some music and dancing and taverna nights in very, very traditional Greek movie style, William meets a waitress. And although he has a nice night, it's sort of a sudden mist engulfs the town. And these otherworldly monsters come from the deep to kind of invade, enticing the locals into the sea. And they have strange dreams. Um, and it's up to basically this, this random sailor and this waitress, a taverna full of musicians, their granny, and a Viking bodybuilder to save the day. <laughs> In Greece, it's um, very difficult to get the church location. Uh, it's almost a taboo. So we got, because of the subject matter, we got basically like everybody said no, church-wise. So the, our last chance to shoot, the last church we had was in this uh, military base. And um, it was a church that it was not in the diocese. diocese. Um, and then the final yes or no was up to the commander of the base. Now the full title of the movie is called Tominore Tislamias in Greece. Lamia, if you put the tone on la, it's a mythical monster, like a child living monster. If you put the, the tone at the end part, Lamia, it becomes like a name of like, you know, Manchester, something like that. So the commander, when he, we had the interview, he called us and it's like, he was so happy. It's like, oh, it's, it's about my hometown, a song about my hometown. And he signed it off without reading it. So... The producer did offer to let him read it. He was cool not to. So it's going to be a little bit of a shock when he sees what happened. To be clear, the movie is not about the city of Lamia in Greece. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we found this really beautiful hotel and it was on an island just outside of uh, Athens. You have to take a little ferry to get there. Um, and we decided to shoot in this hotel. We only had a short time to prep it. Um, I was on the, the kind of set and art side of things during the shoot. And uh, we discovered two things about this hotel, and it was stunning. It was the most beautiful location we could find. And we we begged the the Greek producer, "Can we please, 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 please shoot there? We don't care what it'll cost. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll find money for for sound later or something." We begged them for this location, and um, we get there, and it is beautiful. Every room is beautiful. We don't know which one to shoot in, and it's, it's falling apart a little as well. And everyone got fleas. So my my advice to young filmmakers would be make sure you always have sunscreen, always bring bug spray, all kinds of bug spray, uh, a flea repellent. And uh, also it was haunted. So (laughs) by some strange, sad little boy ghost that kind of was not super pleased we were there. Nobody told me about this. (laughs) I didn't want to worry you, honey. Anyway, it was fine. Funny, it was like we had so much, so many casts, and it was such a good team. We had like a blast shooting this one. It was actually like playground for like at least the actors. Yeah. And like, yeah, it was great. So many buckets of slime. We went through a lot of slime. We kept having to order more slime because we were going through more than we expected. Lots of slime. About the practical effects, we kind of had like the, like we didn't have much budget, but we managed to get the best, like, guy in Greece to do it, like Prokopis Vlasaros Studio, is basically one of the best dudes that works currently in the industry in Mediterranean, basically. And um, we loved his stuff. And we kind of, when we designed it, we designed it so we can marry like his stuff with kind of 
visual effects, like cheesy B-movie style visual effects, so we keep it fun. We didn't want to go like, to crazy, like, you know, horror territory. So if you see the, the creatures that on the fun side, like like all kind of, almost like Harryhausen-esque kind of type things. So it's we want to keep, okay, you're watching this type of film, you're not watching this type of film. So hopefully. Yeah, and well, Kostas is a visual effects expert. He's been doing it for like, I don't know how many, many, many years. years. He's tired now. Um, <laughs> I don't know my name. That's why I cannot speak. <laughs> but that's but that's one of the things we looked at uh, working with Prokopius. His his partner does beautiful painting yeah, work, and he does beautiful stuff. like technical work crafting it. And um, so we take the effect and be like ninety percent practical, and then think about what's the ten percent that we could put on top of that make to it. make it in VFX to really enhance it. So it's a it's a really great marriage, I think, of the two where you have the practical effects um, just enhanced by a little bit of VFX, but and trying to do as much as possible on yeah, set on the day. But for me, it's lovely when both of them, you have both of them. You don't say like, oh, visual effects is bad, you know, or like practical. Or, or we don't need practical. It's yeah, like, it's like we need both, man. <laughs> it's like every film has, <laughs> should have both, you know, if, if you can, can afford it. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's different tools. I mean, when I trained as an art, as a designer in theater, like we were painting with real paint and we had yeah. drafting with pencils and like straight edges and stuff. Now you draft an auto, like the technologies evolve, but they're all just different types of tools, you know? Now, now you can do pencil and digital as accurately. For me, it was like one of the, like, we actually got what we shot like we, it was a good experience we because we didn't have much budget we went super prepared so we had storyboarded everything like we had to because we had so many little days of shoot so we had to edit on camera basically so if either you had it or you didn't it wasn't like oh we have coverage we have like shot with like it was one camera that's what we got if you don't have it it's done basically so yeah like we were kind of like the pleasing thing is like that the performances of the actors at least for us was super fun so it was like we like i loved i want we both wanted to stay in the performance of the actors basically and let's just stay there and get the relationships because it was yeah it was yeah good b3 probably be del toro <laughs> lovecraft and paul i am a heroes basically and you're yeah you're I love all their stories and like I love, you know, obviously Del Toro's work and I've worked for him for a few a few times, like doing visual effects for him. But it's obviously terrified <laughs> being judged by the hero. So maybe it's good that they won't they won't see it. We'll see. I'm Aaron Truss and I'm the director and editor of Paradolia. So Paradolia follows uh, our character Sinead, played by Diane Franklin, who's uh, a university lecturer. And she's introducing the concept of Paradolia to her students when she slowly starts to begin to lose her mind. Um, she's convinced that there's something hiding within photos that she's taking and gathering for her class. Uh, things go from bad to worse when she's alone at night in her cottage. Um, don't want to give away too much there, but meanwhile, a priest is called into a mortuary to inspect a body that's been found, and the priest realizes that his past is beginning to catch up with him. Again, I can't say anything more than that because I'd have to kill you. Well, looking back on the script development and pre-production, we we planned this for a, an entire year. I, I believe we literally hit the ground running straight after Fright Fest last year. 
And uh, the great thing was I got to work with my father. He wrote the script and he's a writer himself. Um, he's been nagging me for ages saying, when are you going to film something I've written? And uh, this time around, I said, well, uh, Stuart Morris from the Misty Moon, he's got uh, Diane Franklin coming along and uh, he needs a short film. Have you got any short stories in the bank that you want to work with? And he just so happened to pull out this idea about pareidolia and I, I, I instantly fell in love with it. And we, myself and dad, we we started developing the story. It was mainly my dad and then I would come along and tweak things for the sake of, no, we can't do that. We just don't have the budget or... Um, I need to make this fit within a location that we can shoot in logistically. Uh, so that was fun. And Stuart, bless him, uh, he's been absolutely amazing. He's a great producer and he's been making films for years. And I wanted to take the Misty Moon and, and my production company, Cucumber, in a different direction. And I think it was Diane Franklin who who gave us one note on the brief, which was, I want a thriller and I want it to be scary. No comedy, no nothing like that. It's got to be, it's got to be scary. And I thought, well, okay, no pressure. Um, and, uh, and we just went from there. In terms of shooting the movie, that was a lot of fun. Um, Stuart put together this great ensemble cast, which were a dream to work with. It was a bit nerve wracking, to be honest, working with Diane Franklin, who's been working in the industry for God knows how many years. And uh, she was teaching me some tricks you know we, she'd pull me to the side and she'd be talking to me about how we should do this how we should we should, we should approach her character what she was thinking about the character that i hadn't necessarily thought of which i thought was great um she did have a lot of patience um normally when i run things on a set i tend to make everyone feel at ease and obviously this is my you know i can't remember how many films i've done now but it's it's not that many but it, it's still early years for me so i think she she was sort of taken back by the indie approach that we had on location and people like Graham Cole understood the the brief completely. He was singing to the extras in between takes, keeping everyone entertained as he did. Uh, I think he has a theater background. So he was just big booming voice and all this. And, you know, whenever we'd cut, shout cut, he'd be just burst into song. And I kept making me think maybe this should have been a musical, but, um, uh, Graham was fantastic. Carolyn Pickles from Broadchurch, she was absolutely incredible as well. And um, and Joe Akers as well, who was uh, who I've known for years, and I just put him in anything I, I do. He's just fantastic. Um, you'll notice him. He's the youngest person in the in the film. Uh, and in terms of um, the edit process and post production, I started very early. I started post production, I think, after the first block of filming, just so I could you know, show Stuart what I was up to, show my dad what I was up to, bring them in, get their opinions. Uh, but I, I I was really blessed to have Jake West, um, who was working on Mancunian Man at the same time. And he'd drop stuff to come over to my place, which is just around the corner in Bromley. And we, we'd sit and talk about where it was going. And I remember he gave me the best, well, he's, he's given me loads of gems, but one of the things I remember he told me was, uh, your final edit will always be your final draft. You know, feel free to screw around with anything you want to. It's your decision at the end of the day. And I believe the first edit, rough cut, was about 20 minutes long. And immediately he was like, it's too long. And I went, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm just laying everything on the timeline. And we started trimming it back, trimming it back, and just getting down to the basics of the story. And and he was so, so lovely about it. And he just, he always has time for for helping out and stuff. And he became more involved in the project as well as, the production team who just behind the scenes creating the visual effects and um, 
the audio and a shout out to Nacho, Dan, Dan and Mario. They've been absolutely incredible and they're probably the hardest working production team that I've worked with to date to get this right because we know that if we fuck it up, um, people are going to laugh at it. So it's it's got to be scary. It's got to be tight and it's got to be good. So yeah, they're, they're all the best. So I thought about this question. So if I could have anyone at the screening famous or dead or personal to me I've got three actually and I'll just spin them out now so first off I would have to say Rob Knox Rob Knox was a very close friend of mine um he was in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince uh, unfortunately he was murdered in 2008 but he we used to make short films together uh, when we were kids and the last film we ever did and it was actually his last film was a silly zombie comedy set in a supermarket um when the night shift manager turns into a zombie after eating some beef. And uh, it's the most ridiculous short film ever, but we had no idea what we were doing. But we all thought, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be like Shaun of the Dead. And literally, we're 18-year-old, you know, twats. (laughs) But uh, unfortunately, he was taken from us too soon. And if, if I could show anyone where we've come to now with our process, our friends, and making these films... It would be Rob. I'd love to be able to just show him, look how far we came, all because of what we started 15 years ago. That would be great. And and the two other people that I would have to say I'd love to be there is, this is a reference to Graham Cole, who tweeted this recently, and I thought it was very sweet. Graham Cole um, appeared in a film with Vincent Price and Peter Cushion. Uh, the production name escapes me at the moment, but um, he posted something out there saying he was very lucky enough to work with them and they were... They gave him advice on acting and 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 whatnot, and he posted something on the lines of, uh, "I hope this makes Vincent Price and Peter Cushion proud." The whole process of Paradolia, which I thought was a very sweet thing to say. So, just for the sake of Graham Cole, I'd like to have Rob Knox, Peter Cushion, and Vincent Price there. That would be my my dream three, I think. If you enjoyed this podcast please share it with at least one friend. Put a link out on social media, rate and review it for your preferred podcast platform. Put an ad in Lou, Novel the Town Crier, whisper in the ear of the town gossip. You get the picture. It all helps bring new people into the Britflix podcast fold. Thank you.